0: What's going on, y'all? I'm Brett Young, and I'm this week's man of the hour. Hang out, because we're going to be talking about how I got here, how I happened to come across this career that I love, um, getting to share music with people, getting to share songs with people, my beautiful family, and uh, what I feel like my purpose is in life. Uh, And I might not even know if I got that part right, but uh, I'll let you decide.
1: And to you tuning in right now, thank you for clicking on an episode of the Men of the Hour podcast. My name is Justin. I host the show and I am so excited to be joined by country music star Brett Young this week. What's great about this one is that all I had to do was ask Brett one question that allowed him to open up in ways that I don't think he ever has before. That one question led to a deep conversation around building a happy life and leaning into it with intention. Now, if you've ever felt like your life was missing a little something, let's say that something was purpose or a deeper sense of understanding for whatever it was that was on your mind. Well, I want you to know that this conversation will help you in one way or another, because there was something so comforting about the way that Brett speaks to both of those topics today. All right, let's get to it, because this is a special one, and it's only happening on the Men of the Hour podcast. There he is. If you're tuning in on on video with us, you can see that we're kind of matching. He understood the assignment, or I did. Uh, You know what, Brett Young, thank you for saying yes to coming on this show. Uh, I've been a huge fan of your music for a long time. Uh, Pop country's kind of got a soft place in my heart, and uh, he now is in Nashville, too. But so thank you for saying yes.
0: Yeah, man, of course. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, I think this is going to be fun. Oh, man, we'll, we'll have nothing but fun. But before we get into anything, we're sitting on February 1st. And the past month of 2022 is already over. How does that make you feel?
0: That's a, that's a loaded question, man. Um, it's been, it's a, it's been a weird couple of years. Um, but it feels slowly starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, like, uh, not just for industry, but for life in general, it, it's starting to feel, um, like we're moving in a direction towards normalcy. I don't know what that means or what the new normal mm-hmm. look, looks like, but, um, but January was kind of crap too. So, um, uh, a new month, uh, I think is loaded with new possibilities. So, um, hopeful, I guess is where it has me right now. Um, but also, uh, being in Nashville and being fricking cold, uh, I'm also ready to get to like April, May where it yeah. warms up and I can be hopeful then too, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, you're probably a spring bunny or the fall. They say spring and fall usually bring out the best in people's uh, moods. Speaking of uh, good weather, you're from Huntington Beach, and then you had moved over to Nashville, um, you know, and I can only imagine the journey from going west to the southeast, but kind of break that down for us. I'm not sure if many of your fans or if you're tuning in right now and you're just getting to know Brett, there's a, there's something there that says, you know what, I'm going to go into country music, but where did all that begin for you, man?
0: Uh, the, ugh, man? kind of a long story um we got an hour (laughs) yeah perfect (laughs) we just we'll just run this like i'll just tell you my story for the next 59 minutes and then it'll say like executive producer dick wolf and we'll be done (laughs) does that work (laughs) um no i so i grew up uh i grew up in the church my dad's a pastor and so i grew up leading worship but it was it was not an aspiration of mine it was something that um Quite frankly, girls were more interested in guys that played guitar at a Christian school than they were in athletes. And so I was like, well, I'm not just going to do the sports <laughs> thing; I'm going to play guitar too. Um, and uh, I ended up going to uh, going to college to play baseball, um, and didn't really, you know, continue playing music while I was in college. And then uh, elbow injury and the whole thing, and I had to figure out what I wanted to do. And I, it, just as a coping mechanism when I was kind of trying to figure out, we you know what is life without baseball. Um, I started. Playing guitar again and, and singing and um, and that turned into like ten years of playing bars and restaurants in L.A. Um, anybody that would let me come in and and play for free um, as long as if it went well there was a gig for me the following week with a little money behind it you know and so mm. I did that whole thing um, and you know. I could, I would try to sneak in country covers all the time and it just didn't work yet in Southern California. Mm. It'd be like, Mm. people would use that as like a bathroom break or to go to the bar to get another drink. Um, But, but it was country for me was um, I was the only one of my friends listening to it growing up, but I was super into it because I loved the storytelling. And Mm. um, I'm, I I joke with my sister all the time. I, I probably wouldn't have found country if it wasn't for her, because every time um, I got, it was my turn for the front seat. She would kick the back of my seat to like try and ruin my experience having the front seat. And at the time she's a big country fan now, but at the time yeah. she, that's the music she didn't like. So if she was kicking my seat, I would turn on country to bug her. And that's literally how I found country music. So, um, you know, fast forward, I'm playing these bars and restaurants, trying to sneak it in. It's not working. Um, and then I start writing songs and I try to play my own songs for like the bar crowd and they don't, they want to hear covers. And, uh, <laughs> and I just happen to, uh, take a trip to Nashville and, and met some of the songwriting community. I just went, you know what? These are the stories I want to tell. Mm. Um, the the emphasis is on the song, not the singer, um, which I, I appreciated so much because I think it starts with the, you know, if you sing it better than somebody else, great, but if you tell a better story, you're still going to win. And mm. um, and so after a couple of weeks of trying to visit Nashville, um, it just wasn't, you felt forgotten as, as soon as you left and then you had to come back and start over. I just, I packed up the car and and, and made the drive. And so um, it's, it's a little bit of an unlikely story that uh, a boy that grew up in Southern California surfing um, when country music hadn't even made it West yet is now, uh, is now doing this, but.
1: Yeah. That's your story. Stick to it. Cause you're doing damn well. to it, baby. <laughs> Listen, Brett, I, um, here, I told you, I, I'd sent the album around to a lot of folks this past week. And I even told Sean, I was like, oh, my God, Brett's here. Let's go. Uh, here stuck with me for a very long time. And you, you, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of this is storytelling and something that people often debunk from country music correct me if i'm wrong here is that there's a sense of like over emotion or i guess like an over uh, an overcast of storytelling because it's a lot of it's coming from like the pure heart of how that uh, song comes to life i let me ask you this though we're gonna go back for a second you so for 10 years you were you were running around los angeles trying to like like you'd said pick up gigs some of them turned into monetary opportunities but you know was there ever a point where you said damn this is not working and then then you went to nashville or was it kind of simultaneous
0: There was. I'm sure there was self-doubt the way I remember it, though, was uh, friends and family started kind of leaning on me with the real job, quote unquote Mm. um, thing, because, you know, I was supplementing income by bartending. I bartended for like 10 years in Southern California. Um, And uh, I came to uh, like kind of an agreement with some of my closer friends and family members where I said, "Okay, if if I turn 30 and it hasn't happened yet, you know, we'll, we'll lock it up we'll, mm. we'll, we'll get a real job. And, uh, and then 30 rolled around and that's where self-doubt kind of went out the window. It was like, mm. nah, I'm still doing this. I'm not, I don't, I don't doubt it. I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I know that because um, I'm happy when I do it. And mm-hmm. I know that I'm supposed to be happy and whatever I end up doing in life. If this changes, it'll be because it makes me, it's not making me happy anymore. Mm. And, uh, and, and so the, the, the real catalyst for me was just okay, you're 30, they're going to start leaning on you to, to, you know, honor what you told them, and mm. you're gonna to have to have a good answer. So what's your good answer? And my, and my answer to them was uh, that I would rather be poor and be happy. Um, you know, and that and that I would I would start dedicating, you know, every waking minute to figuring out how I could uh, make a living in this career. And it was almost immediate, I moved to Nashville, like less than two years later, it was almost mm. immediately that I figured out, that my my passion was songwriting. I even moved to Nashville trying to write for other people. That's how I that's how I ended up getting a record deal. We were pitching my songs uh, for other artists that already had record deals. And instead of getting cuts on other people's albums, they want to know who the demo singer was. So and it was me because I didn't have anybody else I couldn't afford to pay somebody to sing my demos. So I was singing them. And um, it was yeah, it was it was it it was an interesting journey. But I think that the self-doubt thing was always in the back of my mind until I realized I had to like put up or shut up so to speak mm.
1: and you said uh and you'd rather be poor and happy than than mm. the other alternative that's really interesting uh for you listening right now I usually have a run of show pulled up and he hit the, he hit the next point which is discovering what happiness really looks like uh how to find it and then how to foster it so that it's something you always have but imagine you're bartending you're singing songwriting and then you like you had said you went to nashville and then you kind of sing your own demos and these things are just series of fate right to an extent because you're the one putting out all the work Uh, but during that time did did you ever discover what true happiness was i know you have it now which we're going to get to in just a moment you have a beautiful family i know you had a kid and there's a lot there that i think is outside of music that's really providing your happiness today But the reason I ask is because a lot of times your fans and any of us who watched you on stage or wherever, you know, your life has taken you in your music career, we almost look at you and say, damn, he's pretty happy. And so that's why I wanted to pose that to you. Was there moments in time where you were like, I am so happy singing this kind of music and turning this into a career. I don't care if I have to bartend. I don't care if I'm poor.
0: Yeah. I think um, that was the biggest disconnect with people in my life that, that genuinely loved and cared about me. They thought they were helping. Um, they didn't understand that I was, I can still look back now, you know, we, uh, I'm, I'm working on my third record as a signed artist. I mean, we've had a lot of success. I can look back on every single day that I was playing the bars and restaurants and bartending and say, I was wholeheartedly happy the whole time. Um, I was grateful to bartending for supplying the lifestyle that I needed to live in order to be able to play those gigs. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't, I mean, you know, just like any other job, I didn't always want to wake up and go pour drinks for people or serve food, but mm-hmm. I was grateful that I could do that during the day, so that my nights were open to to gig. And so, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, the only thing that ever happened in my life that kind of put a damper on the happiness vibe uh, was just uh, the ups and downs of my. You know, relationship with my now wife, and that oh, was yeah. just that. That was both of us loving each other and being in different stages of our lives, and so we had to do a lot of work, working out, not working out, working out, not working out. And so, I, I, I can honestly say the only time in my life that I've been kind of sideways emotionally is when me and my my wife were in kind of a hiatus. Um, but in terms of of career. Um, you know, Luke Combs has a new song out called Doing This. And, and what he's saying there is exactly how I felt. If I never signed a record deal, I would have been perfectly happy bartending and gigging at night mm-hmm. um, and, and living a, a, like a very kind of marginal in terms of finances lifestyle um, because I was doing something that I loved. And, and, you know, not a lot of people get to do that. I was one of my only friends in L.A. And by the way, most of them, just like in Nashville, more talented than me. I was mm-hmm. one of the only ones making a living singing at night. So what kind of living? Who cares? I got to work, play guitar and sing for people and it's paying the bills. So um, I've, I've never really balked at that. I've always been really happy uh, for the opportunity.
1: Mm. And look where it's brought you now. I'm going to read off some of this stuff and you just, you hang tight because I want your thoughts at the end of it, but you've once been named a uh, country songwriter artist of the year by billboard. And then they went on to garner you with nominations alongside ACM teen choice, CMT and the CMA awards. And after that, racked in seven consecutive top charters along the way. And then, lastly, my favorite, you were named by Rolling Stone one of country's most consistent radio stars. Back to what you said about your sister kicking you. But, you know, I bet you told her that. He's like, hey, like, guess he's on the radio now. But hearing that out loud, Brett, after you just told us so much more of your backstory, especially for that 10-year trip in LA, uh, what comes to mind?
0: It never... <sighs> It never gets old. <laughs> um, the uh, the interesting thing is, I can genuinely say that. Um, back to what I was saying, I can genuinely say that the accolades or like the 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 kind of credit history is not is not what makes me happy. Getting to do this as a career is what makes me happy, and that's why I said if it was bar gigs or this mm. um, music makes me happy, I would do it. You know, regardless of of the recognition or the paycheck. That being mm. said. Um, it never gets old because, it, like, when you when people say things like that, they're they're your peers in this industry, mm. and that that's the same way I feel about like you know award shows and things like that. You know, especially the ones that are like industry voted. It's yeah. you feel kind of validated for your choice to stick with it and 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 why you hung on so long when a lot of people in your life were telling you it's time to bail, mm. and um and that's really what that does for me is is it it validates my decision to to hang in there and, and, you know, and kind of pinch pennies for a little while. And, and while I was trying to figure it out, it, it just confirms for me that I made the right decision.
1: Mm. Can we go back to the bartender note for a moment? Because I remember when I'd go to LA and oftentimes it doesn't matter if we're at pump West Hollywood or, you know, wherever we are in Hollywood, a lot of times there's always going to be struggling entertainers, music, musicians and actors or whomever. And, uh, I'm one who will approach them and say like, Hey, what's the gig? Like, what are you, what are you interested in? How are you getting there? How long have you been bartending? Da, da, da. Uh, just because I'm generally interested. You, I know, have probably had a conversation with a bartender here and there over the last, you know, couple of years, if that, if, if you've ever met someone at a bar and they're waiting on you, does it bring back any memories? And if so, have you had a conversation recently with a bartender? That's also a struggling musician. And what was that conversation like?
0: Yeah, I, that happens a lot, actually. Um, mm. you know, it, it's I'd say it's
1: Nashville.
0: Yeah, in Nashville, I mean it's it's not just it it would be remarkable if it was every bar had live music, but it's more than that. It's every bar has three floors of live music with a different band on every and it's like mm. you know, that what's I don't I'm gonna quote it wrong, but there's that old Aldine song that says everybody uh everybody plays, everybody sings. It's true, and everybody's really good. Mm. And uh and it's, it's, it's so humbling when you realize that most of them are not being paid. They're playing for tips. I mean, it's just crazy sure. to think about, but, um, I, I approach people all the time. Um, I've had, uh, anything from the, the tootsies in the airport where I met a guy, mm. uh, that I, I just really, really needed. Um, I don't, I, I'm like you said earlier, I'm more pop country and I had a couple songs I had written. I needed a great country voice on loved his voice. We've been friends for years now, um, mm. because we met that way and he sang some demos for me. Um, same thing uh, at a bar on Broadway um, called Bootleggers, which you know, mm. is a great little dive on Broadway. Uh, I heard a voice that I loved and I wasn't even planning to go in there. I walked in because I heard it with you mm. know, walking by. And, um, and he's now shopping a record deal and, and I think gonna record one of my songs. And I, I just think you know, it's not really all that different from a music fan or a, or an, a, you know, a successful artist that's also still obviously a music fan Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you can, it would be really easy to get kind of snobby and be like, I don't have time, but like how many people didn't have time for me, you know? So yeah. if somebody, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go in. If, if I'm not enjoying what I'm hearing, mm-hmm. I'm just a fan at this point. If I don't enjoy it, then I'm going to keep walking. But if I enjoy it, I'm going to, I'm going to put money in the jar and wait for a conversation just like I would as a normal music fan. So um, Mm -hmm. it doesn't always mean I can help or there's something I can do, but I I remember how it felt when somebody appreciated what I was doing and especially put a few bucks in the jar, you know? So Mm -hmm. um, I think there, there are a lot of ways that um, you can encourage, you know, kind of struggling or aspiring artists um, without actually giving direct help. You know, sometimes just saying that was awesome, man. You stopped Mm -hmm. me on the street. I had to come in. That was incredible. Keep at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I try to take those opportunities whenever I can.
1: Yeah, no, and I think that's very true too. It's, you'd said it, it's very humbling when you get to a certain level in your career. Uh, and as you're balancing like career and life now, I want to talk about family with you. Um, and before that, we're going to talk a little bit about intention leading and burnout. And then the reason I ask is because when your career becomes your life, Uh, we often, we see it all the time in the entertainment business. You know, people start going little South, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, partying, or another direction of mental health instability and, uh, depression and such. But so we'll talk about burnout for a second, buddy. The idea itself, I think is overused just like so many other things that happen with whatever your lingo choices nowadays. But the reason I want to ask you about burnout, number one, do you believe in it? Why or why not? Um, and then if you, if, Yeah. So like, do you believe in burnout?
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think my career uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll I'll try to circle back and make this make sense. Um, I think my career is unique um, because I, i got my record deal so late. Um, You know, I think part of the burnout conversation uh, is kind of, is a version of like a child star conversation. Mm. um, kids that have success too young. I mean, most people that sign their first record deal in Nashville, well, especially in LA, but in Nashville, they're probably couch surfing, not paying rent, Mm. you know? And so they take this record deal just because that's, that's all they ever wanted. And, um, and you know, from an early age, 18, 19 years old, they're, Mm. they're for lack of a better term, they're kind of humping this career in this industry. Um, and I, I can completely understand how, while you're still trying to figure out who you are as a person, And trying to navigate this very difficult industry at the same time, I can understand how that can all seem like the same thing Mm -hmm. when you're not when you're not emotionally or mentally ready for it. And I didn't sign my record deal till I was in my early to mid thirties. So Hmm. um, I had I had my own apartment and I had my own car and I paid my own bills and I did my own laundry. (laughs) Uh, You know, I was I was a grown up getting like I knew who I was and I liked me. Already. And so um I I won't burn out. I'll I'll age out. And I'm I'm always kind of conscious of the industry changing and going, like, not can I change with it? Mm. Like, is this a change that would feel authentic to me? Am I even willing to, you know? Because I for me, the fallback is songwriting. That's why I moved to Nashville, anyways. So mm. at any certain point, if it feels like I'm I'm being you I mean, not being genuine to myself. Um, then I'm, then I'm lying to my fans. And and so I, mm. I don't see, because I started so late, I don't see burnout in my future because I'm still grateful for what I get to do every single day. Mm. Um, and I, I, I get to go home to something that is even more special than the career that I have. So um, mm. I think it's a thing, um, but I, I think it's avoidable. And I think it's, I don't think it happens to everybody. I think, you know, you look at guys like, you know, George Strait, said he was done touring like four years ago and then booked another tour. I mean, he can't stop. Yeah, right, Vince right, right. Gill's still playing like 2000 person rooms. Mm-hmm. He could play bigger rooms, but he's playing those because he wants to, because he enjoys it. You know, mm. I think, I think, you know, if this is in you, if you're an entertainer or you're a performer, I, I don't, you know, unless, unless like you said, you go off the rails and you enjoy a little too much of the extracurricular activities <laughs> Um,
1: right, <clears throat> and,
0: uh, and that's a thing too. I mean, every, you know, we joke all the time. It's like when, when I couldn't afford anything, nobody wanted to give me anything for free, but you know, you have a little bit of success and everything's being offered to you. That's kind of the same as, as the drug and alcohol thing. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've, I've never touched a drug in my life, but mm-hmm. I see a lot of it
1: mm-hmm.
0: because once you get backstage, a lot of things become available to you. Mm-hmm. And, um, I feel for the people that were too young to make good decisions. Mm. Um, And they just thought this is rock and roll, baby. Um, And, uh, and so I think that can probably, uh, you know, accelerate the process to burn out too, if anybody's going to go through that. But so uh, long long story short, yeah, I think it's a real thing. Um, It's not something I'm
1: concerned with for myself. Mm. I'm really glad I asked that question because you have me thinking here to rename the title of your podcast episode, by the way, (laughs) There's something there where it's like it is never too late, and you had set the intention or like had manifested the fact that you weren't going to give up post 30. And it was at around that time 30 plus where you then signed that huge record deal. And then that's what it is that's your story. And I think that's so cool because the intention setting of that is now what I want to talk about with you. But the reason I don't, and I guess with your notion on burnout too. it, yes, it's a thing it's avoidable, but ultimately it has a lot to do with the journey and like the path that you have already intentionally built because part of burnout, in my opinion, and I hate being opinionated, but I just want to say this, the, <laughs> the idea and trust me, like, this is your story. I'm here to ask the questions and shut up, but I want to say this about burnout. The, uh, the idea usually manifests from a lot of confusion or maybe too many distractions or a lost path. And, but you were so dead set on that path. And by the time you could have potentially reached a burnout, right? The record deal, the traveling, the family bill, da, 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 da. You already had who Brett Young was, right? For the rest of your life, you kind of know what that is. So then my next question for you, Brett, B-Y, no one calls you B-Y. That's like kind of not the great thing.
0: That's actually the most common thing I'm
1: called. B-Y. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not bi, my by B-Y. Father,
0: my father-in-law calls me B-Y. It's very common. You nailed it.
1: Hell yeah. by I got another question. So when it comes to intention setting... And you got to the point where you knew this is what I'm going to do. This is the life I'm going to live. I'm not doing drugs. I'm staying focused. I'm going to keep dating this chick, no matter what's going on, we're going to have a family. So as as you've built all this incredible um, substance in your life, was there a methodology to it? Was there things you were telling yourself things you were writing down? Can you walk us through any of that?
0: Yeah. um, I'm not like a, I'm not, you know, a lot of people kind of have like an inner voice. I, mm. I read a thing. I'm going to get it wrong. So I'm not even going to try to go into it. But like, <laughs> like there are like three different ways that people talk to themselves. Um, I don't remember what they were. I just know that I'm not the one that has actual conversations with myself. There are some people that actually are like, like, do we do this? What's our next plan? What's like, I don't, I'm not a us guy. Um, <laughs> I just, I kind of have like this internal thing that like, I just know. And I, my friends will tell you like, um for all of my generosity mm. um i'm also like one of the most single minded stubborn hard headed people but sure. it's cuz i believe what i believe i always oh, have yeah. been that way my whole life if i if i decide i want to do something i'm going to and i'm going to do it better than you like that's how i feel and if if i'm not better than you then i'm going to work harder than you cuz i'm still going to end up on like that's how i've always been mm. and so um in terms of intention I just don't chase anything down that I don't love because mm-hmm. why yeah. would I put in the, the the blood, sweat and tears to achieve something I didn't care about in the first place? 100%. Um, and so like, I don't, I'm not like a chalkboard guy. I don't like, okay, here's, here's a list. My, my wife loves to leave lists on the counter. I'm like, no, like I, I can't you leave me a list. Cause that's my honeydews for you. And like, mm-hmm. I am very intentional about trying to take care of you. And so if you need me to do some things, but like, I don't leave lists for myself. I wake up and I go, what do we need to do today? And then we just do it, you know? Mm. And so same thing with my career. I knew I wasn't going to walk away. I made a promise about thirties that I shouldn't have made, but I was really just trying to shut people up because I was tired of hearing it. Um, and then I got to 30 and I just, I knew I wasn't done. And so, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I I think it is important to be intentional, um, Mm. um, but, um, I'm not one of these people that, that like writes down my goals in a notebook, uh, in terms of my intentions or what I'm moving towards. I just think it's, um, I, I use the word authentic all the time. Um, I think it's important to be your authentic self. And in this industry, it's the most important thing because you're asking people to invest in you. Yeah. Not just, not just as a musician. You're a songwriter too. And so they want, you got to pull back the curtain and let them see your life a little bit every time you write a song. And that's the same thing with social media, especially Instagram. It's all pictures of your family. And uh, I think my, my stab at being intentional all the time Mm. is making sure that I'm myself all the time. I think that Mm. is my responsibility um, to my fans. So that if, so that if I, one of my favorite sayings, if, if the ship's going down, I'm sinking it. Right. Mm. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let anybody else make decisions for me and then sink my ship. I'm the captain. I'm going to sink it. And if I, if I, then, I, I said this earlier about the industry, if I then try to chase where the industry is going, even the, even if it's not me, mm. Like I've let, I've let the industry say that's when I walk away, you know? And so my, my version of being intentional is continuing to be myself because I know that's the only way that I can feel good about and continue to enjoy this as a career is to be honest and be authentic.
1: You heard it here first. That's by that's the authentic B (laughs) Y. We still have so much conversation left, my friend, and we haven't even gotten to the best of it. So if you're listening right now, thank you for clicking play when you could have chose any other podcast. You will love this partner we're about to present to you. So we'll be right back with this commercial break. Do not go anywhere. Brett has so many other great things to say and let us know. Maybe there's an exclusive in there somewhere. Is your ex still using your Netflix account? (laughs) That's what one woman found out after she downloaded Truebill, which finds and cancels subscriptions with just a tap. They are the official sponsor of this episode with Brett Young today. If you're like me, you always forget that free trials renew without your consent. And essentially, it's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill today to take control of your subscriptions. It's easy, so friendly to use, and it saves you a ton of money. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply want to forget about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. And because companies usually make it super hard to cancel your subscriptions, Truebill has made it incredibly simple. Just link all of your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions with one tap. I'm not one to typically subscribe to too many things, but let me tell you about all those streaming services that I signed up for and no longer use. Truebill allowed me to link all of them, and I'm not going to name drop them, but you know what they are, and cancel all the ones that I don't use, aka I'm just watching one right now. I use Truebill, and you should too. They save you so much money. We're living in such a fast-paced, busy lifestyle nowadays, you forget that you sign up for something for free, and then you see a huge charge the next month. Truebill will help you prevent that. They have over 2 million users and have helped save them over $100 million. Here's one from Matthew B. who says, In a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my DirecTV bill. He also saved $120 for the year on his SiriusXM bill, and then $840 a year on car insurance. Don't fall for subscription scams, my friends. (laughs) Start canceling today with Truebill at Truebill.com forward slash men of the hour. Go ahead, go right now, truebill.com slash men of the hour, and it could save you thousands a year. Don't be like the one who has their ex still using their Netflix account. Go to truebill.com slash men of the hour. Back to the rest of the episode, we go with Brett Young. Welcome back. Dude, I wish that was a margarita. It's probably lemonade, right? So <laughs> I wish it was a margarita too. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, listen, off off of this episode, I'm going to have to tell you a funny story about a time I offered a guest to drink with me during the show. And then we stopped drinking because of it. But well, I'll tell you later. So, <laughs> Brett, uh, you, you, you alluded to what I believe is grit and tenacity. So moving right along here, I feel like when you mentioned just a little bit ago that you just get up and you figure out what you need to do that day, period, dot. My next question is, um, when, you, when you think of planning ahead, how far ahead do you plan? I have a feeling it's not like months in advance for things, but based on what you said.
0: No, I, I mean, I, somebody told me a long time ago, the further you look ahead in your calendar, the more stress you're going to have. Um, and I, I, I just, man, I can't do it. I, yeah. I just, I, my, my wife is a planner. I think that's a, a lot of women. I think that's probably a majority of women like to plan. They like to know, like, you know, what is this? You said this is, is this February 1st right now?
1: Ooh, it's February 1st, buddy.
0: Crazy. Um, my wife's probably planning the week I have off in the summer and where we're going to go for like summer vacation with the family. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm planning where I'm going to have lunch.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: like, I mean, I just, like today. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, I, I was reading this thing the other day, um, and it was like, it was like a guy was in the woods and he looked to his friend and he said, I can't see my way out. Mm. And he goes, can you see your next step? And that was it. Mm. Like then take your next step. It's foggy. I can't see my way out. Take, can you see your next step? Take your next step. I kind of mm. live like that. Probably drives my wife crazy. Um, Cause you know, those conversations where it's like, well, Hey babe, did you, did you unload the dishwasher? It's mm. like, "Well." no, I haven't even been in the kitchen yet this morning, but when I walk by a full dishwasher, I'll unload the dishwasher, Mm -hmm. you know? And so she, she's like, probably got her run of morning down when she goes to bed at night, she's okay. So I'm going to wake up, I'm going to make the baby a bottle. I'm going to unload the dishwasher. I'm going to make the toddler her breakfast. I'm like, no, I just kind of wake up and wing it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. wait, (laughs) Wake up and wing it. But like, I think some of that comes with having done what you've done, not just professionally, but personally, you've, you've groomed so much of who you've become to where there's a level of confidence. Maybe that I'm, that I feel like I hit the nail on the head there where you just know you're going to wake up and and crush whatever you're about to do, or you're going to figure it out. There's either one of the two, if I'm not mistaken.
0: I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's a lot of not being afraid to fail too. Like, I I just Mm -hmm. know that the consequence isn't going to be life altering Mm -hmm. if the dishes get done at 2 PM instead of 9 AM, like that's not going to change anybody's life. Mm -hmm. and 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 so like career-wise fear to like if i'm playing a three-hour set and i play one country cover that makes people go take a bathroom break because they don't like country yet they're coming back
1: Mm.
0: so maybe i did that for me then maybe i sat on the couch for 15 more minutes than i should have for me yeah the world's not gonna stop turning you know The the diaper will get changed You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's, it's, it is confidence, but it's also like, I'm not afraid to like get something a little bit wrong, especially if it's like, you know, uh, now as a parent, you learn that you do like very few things for yourself in your house, Mm. like very few. And so every once in a while, if I, if I'm like, Hey, I'm going to take a little break from being uber responsible right now, and I'm not going to feel bad about it.
1: Mm.
0: The kids are, the kids are happy. They're fed. They're good.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're saying so much there. That's like, you kind of have to give yourself some grace and a lot of people don't do that enough. And it's, it's what leads to what we talked about with burnout. It's what leads to a lot of anxiety, uh, which then kind of like puts people in a very terrible situation sometimes. And I think it's a lot of pressure. Uh, If you had to give yourself pressure on anything, what is that? Maybe it's your music or, you know.
0: Uh, The obvious thing is, is my family. Um, I, you know, the, for me, um, giving them, a life where they're not wanting or worried about anything. Like that's, that's number one.
1: Mm.
0: And I think about that all the time. I think I work harder in my career because I now have that to think about. Uh, The other one is, uh, and it's kind of the same, but different is I never, nobody ever tells you, you know, when you sign this record deal, you become the CEO of your own company. That's just not part of the dream, (laughs) but then immediately you (laughs) you run a company you like, that's just what happens. And you're like, well, I didn't go to school for this. I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, You got to hire people, you got to fire people, you got to, you know. um, And, and so I, I have, I feel a huge responsibility to my guys, too. And Mm -hmm. and so it's, um, they're literally trusting me Mm -hmm. for their livelihood. Um, And so if like, you know, I'm not Kenny Chesney. So I can't take a year off and just pay them. Mm -hmm. That's just not reality so you know if kenny wants a year off and he wants to spend the money to pay his guys to take his year off which also he doesn't have to do he's just awesome um yeah. i couldn't take a year off and pay my guys me taking the year off would be like hey you know that salary you enjoy mm, you might want to go uh drive uber eats for the next year because mm-hmm. daddy's taking a break um i feel the responsibility that to them to keep this thing on the road so that they're working mm-hmm. um and uh uh, you know, I guess, I guess for me, those are the two things that, that stick out. I mean, I, I otherwise I don't really worry about anything. I just, mm. I, I know that, that like anxiety actually gives me other people's anxiety is what gives me anxiety. Like mm-hmm. if, if I can tell my wife stressed out about something, I'm like, babe, it's kind of stressing me out. Like what's, yeah. what can I do right now to make you not stressed so that I could be not stressed? Cause this isn't, I don't, I don't do the whole stress thing. I just don't like, again, like I said, I don't really see, uh, it's kind of a, a wasted emotion,
1: a worthless emotion. <laughs> yeah, that this is why we'll, we'll get along for a very long time. I'm a, I'm a zero stress kind of guy too. I don't think it, like what you said, it literally wastes energy. And mm-hmm. if you know that the stakes are higher in other areas of your life, you can stare something so blatantly in the face and say like, there's no reason that should stress me out. And that's what you just said. You also mentioned that uh, your two biggest motivators are your family and your team. Um, do you think that, at some point, if they weren't in your lives, the way that they are now, you'd be motivated by other things. And what would those things be? I'm just curious. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, absolutely. I I, just like it was sports and now it's music and now, and then family um, I'll always need something uh, Mm -hmm. that I care enough about um, to feel that way about. Um, I'll never be, I'll never be um, happily retired laying on a beach. Yeah, I, I might do that, but I'll have sure. something else going on. Um, I just I need um, I need to feel uh, some sort of purpose at all times. And uh, and I, I now have two beautiful girls and a wife um, that will be a significant purpose for me all the time. But mm. uh, I think everybody that, you know, has had a little bit of success in, in, in their career will kind of always aspire to have something. I watch I'm watching it with my my, my parents just uh, moved my dad uh, retired a little bit early um, and moved to Tennessee to be around the grandbabies. And uh, I can see that like, he's already, my dad was a pastor. Um, He never lived like more than five miles from his childhood house for 70 years and then just packed up from California and moved. Um, And I can see that he's already kind of itching to Mm. find his home church and maybe get involved, even though he's retired because he needs that sense of purpose. And Mm. I, I think I'll always be that way but I I don't you know there's no way to know what that is until that next thing presents itself and again like I was saying I'm not searching for that I'm not like worried about what that will be Mm. if music stops being the thing I don't like I know that I know that I have two gigs in February and we get busy in March and I know when my bus leaves for those two shows in Tulsa and, and San Antonio and that's literally all I know about what happens next and 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 I'm good with it
1: yeah and then you know you're going to go on that family vacation when the tour's over, right? When you got a week off.
0: I mean, I assume. I also ask her to just go ahead and plan it and don't, just tell me when we're leaving in a week and I'm yeah. good with that.
1: I've heard that from a lot of successful people. It's like, just, I'm going to be okay if you trust the people in your life or on your team or whatever, you'll be okay with the decisions that they make because it's in your best interest. Uh, and that's
0: how, that's literally how I built my team. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm going to trust you and pay you to do a job, please don't ask me my opinion just on the next decision you're going to make. Mm. If you have to, then I shouldn't have trusted you. If I can trust you, then just make the decision. But like, it's kind of like, leave me alone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know well, it's meaning? kind of like why. We, yeah, it's why you guys are on the team together. You bring up a huge thing, which is like the business of music from the artist's perspective. I don't think I've had this conversation yet with an artist on this podcast or in ever that when you do sign with the record label, you become the CEO of your own brand and like your, your own music and, and your own practice. Because, I mean, you imagine how many people look at the entertainment business as just like talking heads or, you know, people with good voices and stuff. But you have to understand who you're hiring. Like you'd said, it needs to be someone you trust and they can get the job done with your eyes closed, which is like how you can efficiently probably handle everything that's about to come with the tours and stuff. Yeah.
0: It's um, once you get comfortable with it, it's very empowering and it, 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 mm. it's important to get comfortable with it and take control of it and take ownership of it. Because um, like I said before about steering the ship, you mm-hmm. have to. Um, and a big part of that is what I just said, which is you hire people you can trust to do their jobs so that you don't have to micromanage because you don't have time for that. Mm. You really don't have time for that. If you had to do all 21 jobs, you wouldn't be writing the songs and you wouldn't have the energy to get on stage and perform them every night. You have to be able to trust them. But, um, you know, when you're, when you're building a team, if you're scared of that position, which I was at first, Mm -hmm. um, I just didn't, I didn't want it to be honest. Um, but also then the conversations when people have to be fired and let go and you're just like, yeah, I don't like uncomfortable, you know, I don't like confrontation. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You have to learn, you have to learn how to be a boss. Um, Mm -hmm and I hate it. I still hate it, but I dug into it. I leaned into it. Um, and, uh, and it it has served me really, really well. Um, I feel completely justified and empowered to make any decision I want to, Mm. if I have to. And I also feel completely comfortable trusting my team to make them on my behalf, Mm. unless, you know, the house is on fire. And so it's, it's, it's just an interesting combination of, um, you know, having power and delegating power. And, 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 um, I finally have a team. It took, you know, there was a little bit of a weeding out period. Mm. Um, and I had to learn how to get comfortable having hard conversations, but we're there now. And and we have the people that, that, you know, we all love it's, it's a family on the road for sure.
1: Mm. You take me as someone, first of all, spoken like a true CEO there, but you take me as someone who has a very set peace of mind, but peace of mind is again, a word thrown around, just like burnout, right? How would you describe peace of mind in your life right now?
0: that's I mean wow that's the this is why we match
1: this is why we match outfits today man
0: okay. yeah uh, <laughs> right um like I said before I'm generally kind of at peace um, mm. my, people that know me well will I just had I just had it happen a couple of weeks ago um, my buddy that I went to college with I hadn't seen him in a while people that know me can see it um, it's like, it's visible. Um, hey, like you, this is not you. What's up. And I was like, I didn't even say anything yet. Mm. Um, it almost never happens that I'm not cool. Like I'm just kind of, I wake up and ready to go. Um, what gives me peace of mind is um, first and foremost, my faith um, mm. I've uh, I've been taken care of um, from day one and, mm-hmm. and and even when things got really hard god was there to be like gotcha you're good whether mm-hmm. it was actually fixing the situation or just providing me a deep breath and letting me know it would be okay because sometimes the hardest answer to accept is wait <laughs> mm-hmm. but um wait is almost the same as yes for me now just wait okay well then if you're telling me it's going to be okay then i know it's going to be okay so i can settle down Um, so it's my faith. It's my family. My parents were that until I had my own family. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I'm most at peace. Um, my, my kids, my kids are not going to be offended by this because they're, they're too young to understand it. And if they hear it later down the road, they'll get it. So I'll Mm -hmm. say it. I think my most peaceful moments in my life that give me the most peace of mind is after we've finally gotten them both to sleep and my wife and I get to pour a glass of wine and sit on the couch together.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to think of when we're going to send them this episode, like maybe in their teenage years when they can come at you. Dad, why'd you say that? <laughs>
0: Dad, how dare you? No, it, it honestly it. is. I have. It's, it is just high energy and noise and, and so much fun until 7.30 p.m. And then at 7.30 p.m., they both go to sleep and mommy and daddy – drink a glass of wine and watch Dateline.
1: That's what's up. And we just have a little (laughs) peace. Oh, man. No, that's listen, the first two are huge. And then you got the last one, which is probably the most important. You need to be able to have that balance, especially as you're Mm -hmm. raising kids and gearing up for an incredible year. Uh, Speaking of, man, listen, you can't go into an incredible year of touring and launching new albums and, and great new music that we all know and love without a peace of mind. So now, my favorite part. What are we working on? Hmm.
0: Well, in a very strange era of music where consumption is obscure, you know, Mm. from streaming to now giving away demos as Instagram stories. I mean, I just like, there's Mm. what's the next thing going to be. We don't even know. Um, radio is still King in country music, uh, I mean, it's just, but in other, but in other genres, it's really not anymore. And, um, you know, I, my last record that I put out is not even a record. It's an eight song collection. I do not even know what a collection was last year. Um, the exciting thing for me is I write songs all the time. If I'm in Nashville, Mm. if I wasn't doing this with you, I'd be in a right today. Like literally just writing all the time. There's so much new music that I'm excited about. Mm. We're going to go complete the collection. Mm. Um, here probably in the first quarter so in the next couple of months um of 22 so there'll be new music coming out mm. we you know we got hit by what is it like the 400th variant of COVID COVID that we just got with, we're running uh, like, out of
1: with, alphabet with, letters
0: goodness um so it, it really thinned out our touring schedule leading into the summer but i think we're gonna like kind of blow the doors wide open and Oh, yeah. Do the fair and festival circuit uh, through the summer and then have a, an actual sanctioned full tour with openers and everything at the end of the year. Mm. Um, the, the new single that's out is a song called You Didn't that I'm really, really proud of. And in the, in the music video, I, I made a decision a long time ago um, when my wife and I got back together that, that yeah. I, I wouldn't play opposite another leading lady unless it was her okay. in the music video. And, uh, and so we've been using actors and stuff, but we my wife and I uh, did this one together. And so that's coming out here in the next month, um, and uh, I have some uh, some cool uh, film projects uh, writing writing for, for for film that I can't really talk about yet, mm. um, but uh, I can say that, that there will be there will be news before April, and uh, and so um, just keeping busy. I mean, it, the nice thing about COVID kind of affecting the beginning of this year is Rowan, our youngest, is only six months old, yep. and that's a really um, Really important time for me to be around. Mm. Uh, I got to do the same exact thing with Presley. The first mm-hmm. round of COVID hit right when she was six months old. I mean, we, we were filming the lady music video yeah. uh, quarantine in Palm Springs when she was exactly the age Rowan is now. So I think I've gotten a chance uh, because of, you know, you make, you take the good from the bad. Uh, I've gotten to be around for the, the first year of both of my kiddos' lives. So mm. um, there's new music coming. There's a new music video coming. There's some movie stuff happening. Mm -hmm. Um and we have uh we have a lot of tour dates uh that will close out summer and end of the
1: year. This is this is all great stuff. And I'm so glad you got to be a dad too. Knock on wood for the pandemic causing that. But I mean I feel like that's a that's a blessing in and of itself that you get to have the best of both worlds right now.
0: There is um it is the most challenging and (laughs) <laughs> most rewarding job i knew, I knew you were gonna say that <laughs> i mean it's just it literally uh, there's there's no experience in my life like uh the the the, the black and white of literally it, you don't know how when you wake up in the morning as tired as you are you don't know how you're going to get to 7 30 p.m yeah and then and then you fill those hours with the most joy and frustration you've ever felt in your whole life and then you go to bed happy like what how is that even like how is all of that possible but it is and you wouldn't trade it for the world (laughs) and so um uh, I you know as as grateful as I am every day for my career I'm more grateful for my family and my life so
1: Mm, it's called being a super dad you know what else you're a super dad for you wrote a book I was waiting for you to drop it. Love you little lady. (laughs) We're going to put a link down here in this podcast episode, along with links to everything uh, that, that beholds Mr. Brett young B Y, but this book really quickly, how did you find time to write the book is my question.
0: (laughs) You know, they Harper Collins reached out to us because they had heard my song lady that I wrote for my daughter. Um, And they just had a really cool idea. Um, And, you know, for anybody that thinks that oh, he's a songwriter, so he can write a book. It doesn't work. It doesn't, no. if, <laughs> if they didn't pair us with an amazing writer, uh, to co-write this book with, mm-hmm. um, it wouldn't have happened. And so they, they, they picked somebody that was fantastic. They let my wife be involved. That was another cool thing, you know, during COVID you're home <laughs> all the time. And my, like my wife doesn't help me write songs, you know? Mm-hmm. So like a project for us to work on together was really cool especially timing wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we got to, you know, it was really, it was really a lot of editing. It was like they were adapting the song to the book and then going, Mm. how do you feel about this? We didn't, you know, it was a lot of tweaking because the song was already written Mm. Um, and they did such a good job and the illustrations are so special. Um, I wish we knew that Rowan was, was coming when we did it because we would have like hinted at at her. So not only do I have to write a song for Rowan, now we probably have to do a, a second volume of the book. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. she can't I can't be in trouble all the time. Oh, daddy, whatever. You just wrote Presley a song and a book, but I got nothing. You know, I yeah, got yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's gotta be even <laughs> Steven over here. You're but gonna... um, but uh no, it was really cool. It was a really cool experience. And they 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 even illustrated our little dog that Taylor and I bought together mm. in LA like from a gas station, like nine, 10 years ago. The even though we don't have him anymore, he's in the book, like really special. Um, uh, and uh, and I think it's I think it's like super relatable. It's been, it's mm-hmm. been really fun for us to see people's reaction to the book. It's like, you know, when we have artists, friends that are saying like, Oh, we, we put our daughter to sleep to last night with the book, you know, that's really cool. Oh
1: yeah. Hopefully it's one of the four that you dropped here earlier, including Kenny Chesney. I'm sure all of them <laughs> love you just as much as you love them, man. Probably don't have as much time to read, which is great because it has a bunch of pictures in it, right? It's a kid's book. Yeah. Uh, just read Ch- the pictures, baby. <laughs> Listen, I got one for you. Why don't you get um, before you drop the news about finding a peace of mind by putting their, by putting the two young ladies to bed, you got tell you gotta tell Rowan here that you know you have a song working for her and that she's not gonna be left out. But dude, this is so cool to hear. You know, in the past hour, we were able to hear your story, what it looked like, especially that 10 year period. And if you're listening right now, just like you, you, you'd probably followed along this whole time. And if you didn't, you kept checking in, we hit plenty of topics, but most importantly, you starting with that one question I'd asked you or answer to the one question I'd asked you about, just tell us a little bit about where all of this country music stuff came from having grown up in Huntington beach led to everything else. And I think that is the dopest part of these interviews and I will transparently, openly, authentically say this, dude, like I love your music, but it's not until I get to pull your story out of the music that you had been writing this whole time, that it then becomes a beautiful podcast episode. So seriously, thank you for saying yes. Uh, and now I can say thank you for trusting me with this conversation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was my pleasure, man. It's, it's always fun to, uh, I think you got to take, you have to take a minute regularly anyways to kind of unpack what's happened recently uh, mm. to remind yourself, you know how you got here and, and, and what you're grateful for. And so it's always, it's always fun to do. And it was a blast getting to do it with you. So I appreciate it.
1: That's what my twin said, man, listen. So before we go, there's one more question I got to ask you on purpose. Cause I I was blind to ask it and we just kept rolling, but you know what, when you think of your purpose now, I don't think it's tied to your career, to your family, to your team, to being the CEO of at a record or not at the record label, but of your own music and career. Now, can you describe to us what you believe your purpose is at this point, if you had to give it like a working description?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the earthly things are, are family and friends, but um, I believe, you know, we've, we've, um, very intentionally stayed PG with everything we've ever done. I use the word PG because that's what the movies I was allowed to see as a kid. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I think, I think, you know, when I realized that I did not feel called to be a worship leader, um, it wasn't me saying that I don't believe in Jesus and I'm not a Christian. It was just me saying, saying I don't feel like I don't feel called to lead. Um, and then I was given this platform and I felt a responsibility or a purpose, um, to not blur the lines, not, mm. not, not put on a show that made a 35 year old mom feel uncomfortable, bring her 13 year old daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like my responsibility is to, um, it's to the music and it's to the fans. Um, and it's also to, you know, my creator who, uh, like I said, is probably the reason that I'm able to wake up with peace every day is because I know Mm. that even if I'm struggling, he's got his hand on it and I'm taken care of.
1: Mm. Brett Young, everybody. Again, I want to thank you my new friend my new twin with all these guitars in the back i don't even know how to play guitar so when i come to nashville soon to see my family we'll get a little sound check before you go back. yeah i don't stage. know how to play
0: i don't know how to play them either they're <laughs> just i just i just it's air guitar for me all the time yeah
1: yo that's the actual secret sauce brett thank you so much if you're tuning in right now please open that description we're gonna put links down here to all the great thing he's that he's working on uh, everything he's already accomplished links to his music links to his instagram take that million to two million before he goes back on tour so we can get an extra million of those people could you imagine getting a whole nother double times as many fans as you got man and i hope that all comes to you this year so thank you so much again buddy
0: thanks brother it was my pleasure
1: hey it's justin again and before you exit this very episode wherever you're listening i want to say thank you for being here I hope you learned something new and are leaving more inspired by the conversation you just heard. Men of the Hour is also on Instagram and YouTube at Men of the Hour podcast, where you can find all of our video sneak peek exclusives and full episodes. Be sure to follow and subscribe and do all those great things so that we can stay connected. And right before you jump, I would love to hear from you if you would put a rating and review right here where you're listening. Until next Monday, continue taking care of yourself and building the best possible life.